Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. It's a bonus episode, and my name is Brian. This show, of course, exists to set straight the rumor and innuendo around your favorite bands and favorite songs. And about a year ago, we did an episode about Tommy Lee and Pam Anderson. And if that episode is what has brought you to this show, well, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, But due to the success of our reposting of that episode that's uh, over a year old, we thought it might be fun to sit down and talk a little bit about the Hulu original series, Pam and Tommy. Um, So we've talked about what happened and what the facts are in that original episode. We reposted that last week, and now we invited a comedian friend of ours, Mandy McKelvey, uh, to sit down with Murdoch and myself to talk a little bit about the experience of watching that show, what it's like to be of a certain age watching that show, the things we liked about it, the performances we liked about it, and to have a broader conversation about culture and a whole lot of other things. If you want to get involved, if you have feedback, if you want to voice your opinion about the show, send us an email. It's wearethestoryguys at gmail.com. And make sure you check out everything that Mandy is doing. Mandy McKelvey, hilarious and a whole lot of fun. And you can find a link to her Facebook page in the show notes. Uh, Tons of live performances and other things things coming up. So uh, check her out, Mandy McKelvey. Uh, find the link in the show notes. And now, without further ado, a bonus conversation about the first three episodes of Hulu's Pam and Tommy original series with myself, my partner in crime Murdoch, and comedian Mandy McKelvey. Here we go. Well, I had just binged the first three, those first three episodes that Hulu dropped when you texted. So (laughs) glorious timing. Obviously, I have (laughs) lots of thoughts about what just happened to me. So how familiar were you with this whole thing? Very. Okay. Um, Well, I'm a Gen Xer. (laughs) So I'm a Gen Xer. So if you... Anytime, literally, if you were like, it, it just, it doesn't have to be related to anything. If you were like, I'm going to make a, a piece of art, a movie, a television show, something, and I want Mandy to be interested in it. All you have to do is have a title card come up that just says 1994 and I'm fucking in. Like, I'm in and I'm, I'm in. You are my people. I'm so glad that, <laughs> glad that you're here. And I mean... What I hate is when people steal art. Like, for example, if you had a couple of VCRs set up in your living room and you're making <laughs> copies of Tom and Pam's video, maybe somebody on this podcast had one of those operations going on. Did you did you used to copy video tapes in your living room? According to that thing, it's a pretty hefty fine at that warning at the very yeah. beginning. So. But, uh, but I had a, a bunch of roommates and... We had a, co- a screening copy of Pulp Fiction. We did that to that too. So it was still in the theaters, and so or oh people would just come over to the house and just get blasted and watch Pulp F- and lose their minds. Like first time you see it, it's just a weird yeah. experience. Yeah, Mandy, I was I, when we were doing the first episode about it. I was trying to figure out like how do I just keep this to where I just don't go completely blue and just be just nasty. And it was like I wanted to make sure that it wasn't you know kind of like that and then after watching the show i'm like oh well they just kind of went for it though they are that they not only became like the face of like porn 
and you know just anything associated with like grimy dirty sex i mean it went well, even even down to like the hep c thing that came out i don't know if right. it was hep c right yeah it. yeah it was hep c yeah, was hep c. yeah they yeah. became associated with everything kind of like gritty and gross about sex and like just sort of that raw it was like such a rock star thing and i but like you know before that they were both still even before the tape they were just like hyper sexualized caricatures both of them yeah and i i i was not a fan of either one of them because i was a grunge girl so tommy lee represented everything that grunge wasn't you know i was a eddie vedder loving you know i was a like i was a my so-called life red hair guy <laughs> i was gonna say describe the look yes. i want to know what the yeah. look oh, was in 1994 oh, for you uh, just well just imagine you know this hair but brown uh, and then you know nose ring and and you know the fucking uh chain wallet and the weird bottled <laughs> chain choker and the flannel on the foot you know and my, I had, you know, like I had a fucking, what were they? Uh, like uh, vinyl vans. They were like, nice. I had some made out of tennis shoe balls, like tennis yeah. balls. That's great. Uh, Those were cool. They were so great. And I, I you know, so Motley Crue was, was represented <laughs> the 80s to me. So I was like, no. Done with that. Bad. Get it out of here. Yeah, right. And then Pam was this just like, everything that girls my age were kind of raging against in the 90s we were exploring feminism and riot girl and bikini kill yeah, and yeah you know doing you know trying to kind of like rage against that hypersexuality so she was you know this unattainable thing pam is 10 years older than me so you know when you're a young girl somebody who's 10 years older than you is always sort of the next benchmark of what right. you're looking towards right. as a girl and Pam was terrifying to me because, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. she was just that, you know, they did her up like that Texan doll that Anna Nicole mm-hmm. Smith takes up. Yeah, right. her, the huge, you know, like, huge, oh ridiculously God. not even normal looking fake boobs. Oh, no, like, they were like the blowfish eyes with yeah. the shadow, <laughs> the shadow right. that goes all the way around, where it's like, you, how do you have cleavage on the top, inside, outside, and the bottom all at the same time? Yeah. You get all of the cleavage. <laughs> And so I was just, yeah. you know, it was really terrifying. And also we were really, you know, uh, girls my age, particularly those teenage years, we were like upset about the archetype of Pam because Pam's archetype was like dumb. They played her up yeah. as being yeah. dumb. Yeah, and which so she was. Just, <laughs> right? And so they were just, you know, they just represented like two really scary things that, we didn't, you know, like really garish, cartoonish things. It's kind of interesting. I don't know. I Boys seem to be in sort of a cult where they just know how to obtain porn that they're not supposed to have. <laughs> they just seem to know how to do it. They have like an underground railroad of of porn before the Internet. That's what they, they knew. They still knew. Girls didn't Where the know. stack of magazines. Yeah, yeah it's the cardboard right, right. box in the woods yeah. or whatever. Absolutely. I've heard all kinds yeah. of stories like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and what I was going to say, Mandy, when you're talking about how they became this caricature, this 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 symbol of everything in the 90s around porn, it's like I remember just guys hovering around a 28-8 modem wa- <laughs> waiting like for the screen to like load like <laughs> line by line and there's a banner ad up at the top 
There are banner ads everywhere, and it's Tommy Lee and Pam oh. Pam Anderson sex See, tape. And I didn't even know the internet worked that year. Like yeah. the year so, that that tape got released, I I had never even been online yet. Yeah, they were buying Display, and they were selling freaking lots of tapes, man. Oh my god! And people don't get it. People don't get that we didn't know how to use the internet at that time. They were just like, well, that's something yeah. that I think the show handles really well, the right? Show is, ha- tell, talks about how it is, is how Rand keeps it. having to explain. Like, I have the distribution model, and it's. I mean, this is the nerdy guy in me that like the part of the show that I've gotten the most into is this concept of them figuring out how to distribute it. Like, not even yeah. what it is, right? It's just the idea of like it's. There's this great Jeff Bezos quote where somebody asked him why he was uh, intent on d- destroying the book industry and he's like I'm not trying to destroy the book industry I'm trying to get one a, a small thing from one place to another right and like there is like an element of that where they're just like yeah. oh we we accidentally like by wanting to do this one thing we figured out the internet yes. and, and we changed the game yes. sort of by accident we knew like stuff was happening on computers but it was of no interest to a to just the lay person for forever and then when they would say like oh well there'll be something on the internet well we didn't all have computers and then we we you know then i i we had like one computer lab with one computer that was on dial up and so maybe you take turns maybe you get to look at it once a week and i could spend 30 minutes trying to open the tori amos website because i was like oh i can see her hell yeah maybe they'll have a tour date on there if i can be in computer lab long enough to, but you had yeah. to pay. People do not understand you paid by yeah. like the minute that would explode people's minds today to think that You're you had paying. to wait for it to load. Dude, we were, we yeah. were big Juno subscribers at my house. <laughs> Remember Juno.com? Yes. Yeah. Hell sure. yeah. There is this, like this thing about technology that typically technology has been pushed forward in great leaps and bounds by, por- by the pornographic industry. That makes I mean, sense. It, it is true. Like, right, you know, if right. you look back at beta versus VHS, that's the really famous example, right? It's like, which of those tape adaptations is going to stick? And it was the one the porn industry picked. Right. That so, is. you know, in the internet, you can make a, pretty good case that the internet has continued to proliferate for a lot of reasons but one of it is is also the you know if you're streaming video you're streaming naked video too right so like there is this interesting pop cultural cultural sociological sort of story in this too but then there's just the story and the story itself is batshit like yeah. <laughs> so freaking weird. <laughs> and I kept going back to our old episode and fact checking when I was watching these episodes. I was like, is all this right? Because Murdoch had done all the research on that episode. So I he I mean, this is really based on a Rolling Stone article. Which really? the yeah, and so the Rolling Stone article was was really centered around Rand. It 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 was from his perspective, and that's why the show is sort of angling with the Rand. So this is Rand could be making things up, but the show is staying pretty true to the Rand version of the story, which is <laughs> which is insane. My favorite part being that he was working on Tommy's house, electrician in real life, not a carpenter. I don't know why they changed that detail. But he used to do porn. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. so bizarre. And then he's like at home watching those tapes. Yeah. Of him dressed up like a gladiator. Like yeah. Yeah. it's it's I I completely forgot about that. <laughs> it's I I didn't. I was totally underwhelmed with it and I wanted to like it a lot more. But yeah. like there were parts of it where it's like yeah, it, that was awkward watching that whole thing. <laughs> well, um, it really does the show itself. Just talking about the show. The show itself really does play a little bit like a 
R-rated cartoon comedy. Like to to Mandy's point, yeah. saying that sort of like those two were cartoons. It yeah, plays into that wow. very heavily, and we get a little bit of that like Halloween costume lead performance thing with, especially with Sebastian Stan. What do you think of Sebastian Stan as Tommy Lee? I gotta be honest with you, Sebastian Stan and Lily James are crushing it to me. <laughs> They're crushing yeah. it. Like yeah. right? I forget that it's them. Yeah. Like to me, that's Tom and especially Tammy. Especially with Lily. I, I find that's especially with Lily. Yeah. Like they're I mean the it's I mean, obviously the hair and makeup team need to win Oscars because yeah. if you when you look at Lily James, there's nothing about her that's like, that's the next Pam Anderson. But so they're they're killing it. They're absolutely killing it. But like the that the, like her little all, both of their voices and their I mean they're they're doing like I'm not sitting there thinking like oh that's Bucky from friggin' Marvel or whatever. Like <laughs> right. I'm not right. It, it's it. it's funny to me that he's like my next move is like you know I'm like in the Marvel universe and now I'm also going to be Tommy Lee like I feel like his yeah. an agent probably argued with him about doing that at some point I bet, I bet, to a series and I like I didn't know about that this was all like from Rand's perspective but I love that because I absolutely love how much that first episode focuses on making me hate Tommy Lee <laughs> Um, which is amazing because I'm sure like the real Tommy Lee's like, what the fuck? No, that's all true. According to the article, at least according to the source material they're using, which again is from Rand's perspective, like that is, they didn't add anything extra. Like the whole, like him having him at gunpoint is supposedly what actually happens. It's so believable that Tommy would be like that, Totally, you know, cause I watched that movie, the dirt. But the book, but the book, like, did you like book? Oh, Mandy. Okay, like, so that, hold on. I need to I need to set something straight for Mandy. Murdoch is the world's expert on Motley Crue. Like he is everything we talk about on this show. We have a joke on the show that we could be talking about Jerry Rafferty and somehow we'll bring it back to Tommy Lee or Motley Crue. Like Amazing. everything comes up okay. crew. So this is a very important source Boy, this, text that's for us. That's a big us. reveal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's reveal. we should have said that up top. So wow. he has read all the books. He's read Tommy Land. He's read The Dirt. Uh, he's seen all the movies. Like He knows all of it, so we can't really argue with him about facts, so I'm going to now let him talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't believe he didn't know that The Dirt was, it was actually, is was a screenplay. The, the book itself is a marvelous, overwhelmingly, everyone thinks it's great, and each chapter is first person. And so, and so you get the story from like Doc McGee, the manager talking about how you deal with these coke addled cowboys running around and like breaking shit. (laughs) And then, you know, like Mick Mars is in pain from his back. And then Tommy's chapters really sound like Tommy, where it's just like, I fucking love, I'm having such a fucking great time. I fucking love you, baby. And it's like, it really does. It's so, it's so stupid and it's so hilarious and there's gross, gross, gross shit in that book that he's is so gross. He's such a dirty boy. Oh, well, God. and here's the, here's they, the they other left thing. Out the, no time. They left out something really important um, in this, this Hulu thing, which they didn't show Tommy Lee honking the horn of the boat with his dick, because that mm. happened in the, in the real <laughs> move, the real thing. God. He's like, 
He's so, like, look, and he turns around and he honks Thorn. If we're going to talk about that part of his body, we <laughs> do have to talk about the Jason Manzuka's voicing that part of his body. And here's another thing I didn't know, Mandy, except Murdoch told me a few months ago that in the book, Tommy Land, it is, there are parts of the book that are narrated by his penis. So this is actually yeah. borrowing no. from the book. That's what it's from. Yeah. I was yeah. wondering what in God's name that cinematic choice. <laughs> that's that's what it is. That's what it like, is. I was like, that's something you talk about, but you don't actually do, or you, or you try it and then you leave it on the cutting room floor. You don't. That doesn't make the episode. Oh. And then that sure enough, and it didn't just make the episode. It was like it was a long portion, a friggin' monologue. <laughs> like, oh my God, that is. Well, it's just so insane because I do, even though I lived in girl world, so I never had access to the porn that, you know, this famous porn that everyone saw, I, you know, just heard so many details about it. And I remember so much, so much being made of, of Tommy Lee's dick and, you know, just this big dick and everything. Yes. And so I was really like kind of psychologically preparing myself for like, are they going to show this thing? Because I've never been regaled with this presence before. And I'm as you know, now as a woman in my forties, I'm like, I got some, you know, I got quite a Rolodex mentally. So I'm like, let's see what I, let's see what I miss. And, you know, I probably would not have appreciated it at 16, but now I am ready. Let's see this. And so I, you know, and then they just see it. And I'm like, that looks like a penis. I don't understand. That just looks like a penis. <laughs> I couldn't pick that penis out of a lineup. I was, you want to talk about just overselling something. I don't know if they just didn't want to do it or if that's really what it was like. Because they also didn't go, they didn't do Pam Anderson's boobs. Like, I was getting really nervous when they did the part where Lily James was topless because I was like, Oh God, we're gonna have to all see that giant those two basketballs drop in this scene and that's gonna be uncomfortable. And then she just had like regular big boobs and I was like, Well, what are we doing? What are we, why why are we being conservative now? We just watched him talk to his dick for a half hour and now we're just gonna we're just gonna play like Pam Anderson had just regular ass nice boobs. And I I need to talk to, I need someone to explain, I need someone on the crew to call me and explain to me what, what these choices were. I, I can explain one thing to you that <laughs> in real life, in real life, uh, Tommy Lee's uh, penis is a lot bigger than the one that was in this Hulu thing. Okay. Sure. So what do you think that was about? Because I was underwhelmed. <laughs> oh, they would have to put like a stunt cock or something on him to try, I mean. Well, they did. He's like, I mean, he's, that wasn't his. Peener. I, no, it was right. his actual penis talking. <laughs> right, like to your point, right. like if they're gonna do it, they might as well do it, right? Like, yeah. No, it was it was a, it was an extraordinarily large thing. It was enough to to give an entire generation of men a complex about okay. it. Okay, so before... why do you think they undersold it like that? Because I I've always been curious about it from the rumors. And if you're gonna go CGI and make it talk, why not get? Why not put an elephant's trunk on there and let it roll? Like, because when he looked at her and he was like dead up, and they were all fucking, you know, on ecstasy and yeah, they're taking oh, yeah, their clothes yeah. off in yeah. front of each other. And he's like, "Do you want to meet him?" I was like, "Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I would like to see it, sir. Are we gonna? Is that part of this? This is on Disney Plus, isn't it? Are we allowed? Can I?" 
sir, yes. And then he did. And I was like, I've already forgotten it. I've already forgotten it. Why is it? Why is it so just normal? It's so it's, normal. It's for the casting one, but those two are fantastic. But his penis was not the best casting. No, no. And the, bo- the boobs weren't scary. The boobs were lovely. And I wanted to see some scary boobs. Yeah, you're right. They are kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. I wanted if... to see scary boobs. And I saw, yeah. I saw boobs that I envied, if not a little stiff. But I saw boobs that I was like, oh, I wouldn't mind having those boobs. And Pam had the kind of boobs where you're like, that's a problem, Pam. That's going to hurt your back. Yeah. That's, yeah. You've selected an issue. That's not. (laughs) You've selected an issue. Yeah. That's not going to wear well. That's not going to age well, Pam. All it does is make me want to see the porn more. I bet Tommy is pissed. I bet he's like, would you expect bigger than that? Oh God. And he's like smashing a window in his house right yeah. now. I'm not that stupid. Yeah. And man, I'm way bigger than that, yeah. man. I totally. That. Yeah. His right, baby. Yeah. Right, right, baby. Right, baby. Yeah. I bet he doesn't even like, care that they made him look like he stole $30,000 from those contractors. I bet he's just like, my dick's bigger than that, dick. Right. He's so, not like, even thinking about the cash. Did, did yeah. we ever get the real story on if he really did stiff those guys like i get hung up on all the wrong details i understand that we should be focused on the anatomy but i'm like why (laughs) did they not get a deposit because it was tommy lee and they just figured he was good for it it, it, the way they set it up feels kind of like you could get into a situation like that where he just keeps saying do it money's no object do or you think i'm not good for it bro i do love how he fucks with them every time they go to ask and oh, yeah. and like I, that is probably the most relatable thing about the show to me is this idea of like being so intimidated by that guy that like they don't he doesn't want to and he's like playing with those guns. <laughs> yeah. I, and speaking the- of casting, let's talk about Rogan for a second. So so Seth Rogan doesn't look anything like this guy. Like no. if you if you've seen this picture and I will I love Seth Rogan. I think he's a great actor. I would love to have beers with him and hang out. But I will say. That Seth Rogen going to want to have beers with you, dude. No, I, I know. I know. <laughs> this is a rare case where I think the actual guy is a little better looking. Like, have oh. you seen pictures of him? Like the actual Rand? No. Like, not now, but it, you know, and he's like dark complected. Like, he doesn't look like him at all. Really? Um, so I don't know why that choice was made. I will yeah. say my favorite performance. <laughs> my favorite performance. And and this is not. Normally the case, because sometimes I think Nick Offerman overdoes it. But Nick Offerman in this is worth the price of admission. He's so subtle. He's, he's so, so good. He's so subtly freaking out when he sees that tape. Yeah. Like, so then they have to go try to shop this tape, right? Which is a funny part of the story, which leads to what we opened with, right? About the internet. So then they go to shop the tape and they show this cut, you know, this cut after cut of, of people just being like, so you got the releases? You got the releases? Yes. And that was something I never thought about is that no. at some point, you know, there would be this legal entanglement where people would actually want to yeah. see the release. We don't think about that now because stuff leaks on the yeah. internet all the oh, time. Yeah. And that people said to him during when they were shopping it, they would be like, look, you, we can't make any money off celebrity sex takes as if there had been others right. that had never gotten off the ground because you'd get sued so hard. And that just that Pam and Tommy's coming out at the exact moment that the internet became usable in that way is what. basically did them in as opposed to everyone else who came before them who were doing weird who were making weird ass sex figures why you know it used to be your nightmare was it 
Believe it or not, it used to be every woman's nightmare that someone who wasn't supposed to see them naked would see them naked. Right. That's really funny. You're right. You put out a yeah. great, a great thing. Like, right. Like that used to be, and they don't now we're, we've really only seen the first three episodes as we record <laughs> this. So we should note that, but I, you know, obviously we know the story. So they try to take some legal action, et cetera, et cetera. Now, and Murdoch and I talked about this the first time we talked about this story a year ago, you know, this sets the template for that change in mindset about how to achieve that sort of fame. And at one point we point out uh, in that episode, Murdoch, which I had forgotten that Pamela Anderson later is married to Rick Solomon, who is also who Paris Hilton did her sex tape with. Really? Yeah. Boy, Pam has some taste. The whole Kid Rock thing's never going to leave me. Yeah, no, me neither. I <laughs> got that taste. That's uh, the gro- That's the grossest of the grossest. Yeah, that's the sorry. Ball with the bound of bang bang. Yeah, loser. no, absolutely. <laughs> Pam is. Yeah, Pam likes them on the way down, don't she? But <laughs> well, hey, great point too, Mandy. Is that <laughs> on they, the way down? I was that's wondering great. when in the show they were going to talk about where Tommy's career was at this point, right? Because we only see his we only see his wealth. Yeah. Um, but so they they put in the very heavy handed scene where he's watching his own behind the music. <laughs> 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 Which I kind of wanted to fact check was behind the music doing a Motley Crue episode in '94 or '95. Yes. That were they? Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, and it, it was great because it was. And now when you look at it, I mean, it's it's pretty offensive, and it didn't age well in terms of how they scripted it, really? as well as like Metallica's too. Like really? Metallica. Oh yeah, Metallica's is there. It's like a little heavy on like groupy stuff, and it's like. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's 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 like it doesn't didn't age well at all. We talked on but, another episode of the show, Mandy, about how the Def Leppard um, episode oh, of Behind the Music shit. that was my shit. <laughs> the, the Def Leppard episode of Behind the Music blew that my mind because they talk about groupies backstage, and I still remember it was what? just when I saw it, I was like ten, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yes. They did what? Why the why the one arm drummer was playing? The other guys yeah. were doing what? Like I, it was a mind-blowing moment for me as a small child oh yeah i had a def leppard poster up on my wall and my mom <laughs> made me take it down because it was just like they were all just like you know posed together in their ripped t-shirts and jeans and stuff but one of them had like like a sock in his pant that like went down <laughs> oh my like god that like he had a thing and it's like and like <laughs> i wasn't great. I was like, I was old enough to be like into guys in that way but i wasn't old enough to be like under like into the specifics of the anatomy where I was right, like, right. I wasn't, I just liked the boy, you know, I didn't right, like right, right. get that. What was, but my mom saw it and was like, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> she, I don't know. I didn't even notice it till she freaked out. If she just kept her mouth shut. Oh man. Uh, but no, Def Leppard was, was, that was my, jam, that was my shit. But like they, they really, you know, that whole era was like, you, the whole thing was like, Barely legal. Like, right? <laughs> I've got her one day, one day before I would have gone to the slammer, 1201 on her birthday, baby. <laughs> like, that was a goal, which was. Not not know. a song, but should be a song. Because <laughs> that was fucking brilliant. Wow. <laughs> so that's a really, I mean, what you're bringing up is, is how sexual mores have changed in the last 20 yeah. years, right? Yeah. <clears throat> It is shocking. And I would say it's it's less shocking from 95 to 2005. It's more shocking from 2005 to today. If you even like my, my go-to example for this is the first Transformers movie came out in like 06. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, I have a, I have a 
son and I was like, oh, let's watch Transformers and Megan Fox in that movie. And I was like, whoo, that is not. And, you know, Megan Fox doesn't. I mean, that's a PG-13 PG Mm -hmm. PG-13 movie in 2006 treats women. The camera treats women very differently than a PG-13 movie in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it's it's horrifying because like um, because now, you know, particularly with the Internet and cell phones, nudes are getting leaked left and right. And so, you know, not so much sex tapes anymore, just nudes that women have or that they've sent to a boyfriend, you know, revenge porn, stuff like that. It's so common, but like, you know, and people even just even not even that many years ago, like because like I remember when um, Jennifer Lawrence's nudes leaked and, you know, there was like that debate, like Jennifer Lawrence, you're like an A-list star. Why? In God's name, would you have nudes on your phone? And it, so we had to have this huge conversation about, like, it is not the fault of the women should be allowed right. to have right. that. It's the weirdos. They're hacking their phone and yeah. stealing it. But people were still trying to blame her because they're like, yeah. you know, weirdos exist. Why are you doing this? Right. And then it was maybe like four or five years ago that someone said, you know, we have to understand that the age of women right now within this many years most of the women in politics who are 40 years old or under statistically will have have taken nudes at some point in their life. So we just have to have to understand we are now entering a thing where we do not women do not lose their jobs. Women do not lose their you know political status. Women do not get kicked off of things because some creep stole their nudes like it is not illegal which I 1,000% agree with. The problem is that I was raised in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, (laughs) in which I'm like, I'm the problem. I did bad. So I cannot wait till we get to the part in the series where somehow everything, this makes everything great for Tommy and fucks everything up for Pam. And even though she made a living (laughs) off of being you know, wearing the tiniest clothes. And even though she posed in Playboy, that, you know, that was the thing that Nick Offerman's character was getting all jazzed about when he was like, it feels like something I'm not supposed to be seeing. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, there yeah. it is. There it is. That's it's right. Not, because everybody had already seen Pam naked. It was about the fact that I'm seeing something I'm, I'm not, not supposed to that see. Pam didn't yep. approve me to see. Let me ask you this with all of, with, with that background on you and, and your upbringing, your age and all that. What What's your relationship with Jane Fonda? <laughs> see, 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 I grew up in the age where people were hating on her hard. She was still getting like the Vietnam hate, but she was also, we were doing her tapes and throwing up in a bathroom like a motherfucker because that, because she was still the it, like she yeah. was the it on how to be like fit and skinny. Cause like our moms passed that down to us. No one said, I got to work out. I got to exercise. I got to do aerobics. Everybody said, I got to do my Jane Fonda. And so, like, moms would pass the Jane Fonda to us, but then they hated her politics. So I thought that that was an amazing thing that Pam, where they had Pam's monologue where she drew uh-huh. that comparison. Out. She wanted to be many things, like Jane. And I was like, God, that's so true that we did let, you know, like society allowed Jane to do, to be a, a hundred different things, but but they didn't allow her. Pam, I think Pam, it was so sweet and sad because Pam was talking about, like, why can't I be like that? 
but you look at Pam in that context and she looks so fragile in that moment. Yeah, it's it's really good screenwriting and I'm interested yeah. to know if it's if it's based on anything she said in interviews or anything. I've I not seen that quote from her, but and when they moved it cuz they actually called that episode I think Jade Fonda. And when they oh, yeah. move into that monologue cuz it sort of closes out the episode, I was like, "Man, this is sort of heavy handed a little bit, but like, it's very much drawing the line about forcing us to say like, you know, what you just described, where, where, what did we do to her versus what did we do to Jane and what do we do now? And what are the things that will, we need to be thinking about and the reparations we need to be paying? Yep. And we did the same thing to Jane. Jane was punished every step of the way her entire life. But the, the difference is somehow that like Jane just has these, she was just this unflappable character and Pam seems that's why I love the way Lily James is playing her. She does seem like the most fragile little bird. They sometimes when people will do a nineties stuff now, cause nineties is very in fashion now they'll do it, but I'll notice them do nineties where they still make it palatable for the 2020s. Oh yeah, yeah. Like they'll 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 do an homage to the 90s, but they'll leave out the ugly parts of the 90s that are that we really haven't brought with us. You'll see people with like really much more modern makeup and hair that's like more pal. And so the fact that they like shaved Lily's eyebrows and drew them back on like a half inch up, pencil thin and like the white crystally shiny brow bone and just the everything they're doing and then they're putting like really bad music in it not that that music god did you have like a a type of physical reaction when you heard some of that music because i did they didn't go in there and get like the good music from the 90s they didn't they didn't go in there and pick all the things that made you feel like hell yeah i'm a 90s person they went in there and they were you they took you back to the 90s where you're like and i am embarrassed that's the two o'clock in the morning bar uh, party dance music club dance club in the 90s black yeah so where where are we headed? I mean, I'm like I know the narrative of the story, but what do you think the show is going to to want to focus on as we start? You know, seeing what they did with the first three episodes, what are we going to see on the back end? I hope that we can revisit it with different eyes now. You know, thirty years later, where we can be like, we can see that like Pam was just an actress doing her job. I mean, I don't know where Pam's career was going to go, but this was certainly. This explosion, this volcano of fame was not good for her. Well, it it was, you know, they do touch on the barbed wire thing, which I do remember barbed wire happening. And uh, Murdoch, I'd be interested in in your impressions and thoughts about barbed wire. (laughs) (laughs) I remember it was a movie and I saw it. (laughs) Mandy, did you see barbed wire? Boy, I have flashes of it because I remember that vinyl suit. Yeah. yeah, could not tell you a thing about it. Just I definitely w- didn't see. It. I was too young to probably go see it on my own, and I'm, I'm sure my parents did not sign off on that. But I do remember that I was very into movie. I mean, we we've probably had this conversation before. I was very into movie marketing even at a young age. Like I was watching the previews and looking at the posters, and so I have this. So I really remember the moment because the moment was big, um, and it was it was taboo a little bit, right? For you know, in my house, um, but. 
I then remember just hearing that it wasn't good. But I also wonder how much of that is colored by the timing of everything that's happening at the same time. I don't know if they were ever going to let Pam out of that box. So maybe, you know, everything would have ended up the same way. But like, you know, Tommy was, you know, as good as Motley Crue was, you know, they were done. They were out like that, that genre, them as people were, you know, going downhill the, that genre of music was gone. You know, he was on his way into just sort of 80s hero obscurity. And this really, like, really gave him this cult celebrity status again. But she already had it. She brought him back to life and he killed her. And I see that so many times. Yeah. And she do, and then we see her do it again because she has the worst taste in men and you know like when they're at that scene where they decide to get married all her friends are like we're all her friends in that movie we're all just like girl (laughs) no damn it girl he's not doing yes he's not doing anything that's making you go that's romance you know he's not doing anything he's just being an insane person he's being a weird clown mayhem tattooed right on his fucking chest like let's let's get married baby yeah so let's talk about the most accurate thing in this film and murdoch i've been waiting to bring this up with you which is the press junket where like like the media guys that she has to have dinner with that's oh my, my favorite God. scene in the whole series because, oh. and they're talking about a transmitter. Like, do you oh remember God. this scene? And they're like, oh, yeah. we got to tell you the story about our transmitter. Mandy, let me just tell you, having been in the industry, 100,000% accurate. I bet that is based yeah. on a transcript. Having a bunch of middle-aged white guys who are, you know, they were behaving themselves, but don't know how to talk socially yeah. at all and are telling stories about a radio transmitter. I was or TV transmitter, I was just like laughing out loud, guffawing at that. It was God. so good. So well done. That poor and, woman. And I, I, the thing that made me laugh in that scene, I was a really shy kid and a shy guy and like girls were kind of hard and difficult or whatever. But like now, like with the note where it's like uh, uh, Mr. Wiener or whatever, it's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's my game. I, send, I just do that. And sometimes it's just annoying. I know it's not even like totally like awesome or like welcome in the moment. But yeah. Sure. Well, I, lo- I love that that's what that's did it for happening. you because like you would have probably married him if you were be like, if he say, if he like had a phone call sent to you, it was like there's a Mister Weiner on the phone. You would have been like, that's that's my that's a move right there. That's yeah, it's my like, husband. Yeah. The, the defense that's mechanism of comedy. I, I'm sure you can't relate, uh, Mandy, but uh, the defense mechanism of comedy is is strong on this podcast. I want to know if it's true. And Murdoch, you may be the only person who knows enough to even to speak on this, but they are trying to convince me that those fools were naked on ecstasy in a hotel room for four straight days and didn't have sex. <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. I, I don't I don't get it. I, I understand that it? you're probably not supposed to. So maybe that was what it was, but I, I I heard that they had like a very lengthy like couple of days of hanging out. Yeah. And and then and then the, the you know they got married and they hit LAX and then the shit hit the fan and that happened. So they're out pitching the movie, right? So yes. pitching, it's like, do you have releases? No, they're just getting shot down. Everywhere. <laughs> and I, I don't know if they're at vivid or where they're at. And, 
And Seth Rogen's Rand, the character Rand, says, every guy in America is going to want to jack off to this. I, I can't stop myself. <laughs> right? That's whatever he says, like however he says it, he's like, I can't stop. It's like so freaking weird and awkward and hilarious that these dudes are having this conversation. That's like how he's trying to sell this idea. Yes. Oh, and uh, we get dice as a mob boss. <laughs> oh, and you know, it's, it, 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 when wow. they go through the montage of rejections and we get to Dice, I almost wish he would have been a rejection and then never turned back up. Only because when you get to Andrew Dice Clay, you know you've hit where the buck stops in the moment. <laughs> like, if you're going through people and you get to Dice Clay, you're like, now this is the person who's going to say yes. Like he is not—he is not a red herring. Like he is right. one hundred. You're right. like, oh, now it's time to move the plot forward. We've got dice in the scene. Like he's never not dice, which I love because he's also a deep, dark cartoon character from his own era. Oh, for sure. So he, you know, wow, truly. What do you think about him in his Star Is Born? Like that was actually like had some depth to I it. Know, I know. I know. Yeah. I, I yeah. hate it when they do that. <laughs> I hate it because then you know. Then you're like, oh, so you were just fucking off. Yeah, you actually can't act. That's yeah. the, well, it's like Chappelle's in yeah. that movie, too. And, and Chappelle, yeah. like, doesn't crack a joke yeah. or a smile in his scenes. And you're like, wait. Oh, yeah. I remember Googling, like, is that actually Chappelle or is it just a dude that sort of looks like a bowed-up Chappelle? <laughs> like, yeah. I was so confused. Yeah. No, and, that's and how Chappelle looks. Dice Clay had, you know, he, you know, he's trying to do in his old age. Because I watched him in a another movie where he was very cool, like with Kate Blanchett. I can't remember what it mm. was, but where he was very chill and normal and cool and great in it. And I just was like, that's what Pam's trying to do. She was a cartoon character and she wanted to make the leap. And now, you know, and Dice had to, you know, go to basically into obscurity for 20 years. And right. now he's back doing these sort of artful films. So if a if an aging 60 year old Pam Anderson turns up in five years and starts doing like intense art films. I will be the first one to buy the ticket. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, dude, I'm going with I you. I cannot <laughs> wait. Yeah. Oh like when Debbie Harry popped back up. Do you remember yeah. when Debbie Harry popped in up? Spun? Like, Do you remember that movie? I'm creepy now. Yes. Yeah. I remember yeah. watching Spun and being like, when it was over, and I, <laughs> I would, I believe I was like with a bunch of friends. It was I was young when that movie came out, like still in college or whatever. And I remember just being like, "Cool, never watching that again." Like yeah. that, that movie was really rough, no, really I rough. Wait, I can't wait. Uh, that well, that seems like a good place to end for now. Um, we may need to have you back, Mandy, to talk about the the rest of this series when it comes I to an end, wait. and we can talk about the second half. This was fucking awesome. This yeah, is great. Yeah, it was super fun. 